There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. You are now listening to the Going Deep Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Massari, here with Mike Bunt. And boy, do we have a show for you today. We're going through not only the disappointing New England Patriots loss, but quick turnaround. We're 48 hours from kickoff here uh, to turn the page against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town and trade deadline in a week. The Bills making roster space, making roster space and cap space uh, just recently with a, stru- a restructure of Deion Dawkins to save nearly $4 million. Will that be just to operate the rest of their season? Or do they have uh, some type of plans for that money, as well as the soon-to-be new signing of Eli Anku uh, coming in here as well to the practice squad, Mike? But first, 48 hours from the game, how are you feeling? 48 hours to the next game. Talk, talk to us about your mindset right now. Emotionally and mentally, like from a normal life perspective, I'm doing all right, Kevin. Life has been fine the last couple of days. From Good. a Buffalo sports fan perspective, uh the Bills losing, the Sabres losing to one of the worst teams in the NHL, I could be better. But uh, that's why we have this therapy every Tuesday at 7 to uh, talk out our feelings and and hopefully feel better at the end of the show. And people are waiting for you, Mike. People are waiting for the rant de la Mike. Um, you know, we've had Mike on record for, I think, breaking records of 12 minutes at some point <laughs> um, over the last few weeks of being able to uh, express. I don't know that we have a hot button quite like that because uh, we're going to have some more, maybe more data today, maybe some more things that we were able to come up with that we've come up with as a group, both Kevin, uh, Mike and myself that we've been able to come up with, as well as cover one in general. Some of the some of the greatest conversations we have is internally. So we'll do our best to see if we can bring you some data and some research and some things that we are able to find throughout the course of the weekend and what we are able to do uh, going forward in uh, the thir- this Thursday against a banged up Baker Mayfield and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose offense is also struggling, especially with their weapons. Uh, they definitely have their own issues right now, uh, and they, they're keeping Baker upright, but they have some issues running the ball, and they, um, they're they they're coming to Buffalo much like the Bills in, in desperation to keep their season alive uh, as they're staring at a losing record uh, right in the face. So we'll get to that game in a little bit here, Mike, but wanted to talk, uh, you know, kind of recap that game. 48 hours, you can kind of think clearly. You can kind of, kind of think confidently of the game against the Patriots. Bill Belichick's 300th win. You had, um, you know, 
looked like 50 people being retired in jackets across the state. I don't know what was going on there, but it looked like something that was super important to them. I was told by someone I, I like with within New England that, quote, that was their Super Bowl. So this isn't even us saying that anymore. Uh, them getting a win over the Bills was kind of like when the Bills were able to take down Brady uh, the one or two times in the history of uh, the Ralph at the time. So there's definitely, there's that part that went for them. And look, like there's many things that you can take away from that game, positive, even and negative. Um, but there was a good learning experience. I think for this bills team, we're going to get into some correlations later when we call up producer Kevin here at some point later in the show. So we'll have that and more coming to you, Mike, but just some of your first initial reactions off this game, give us your eye test opinion of it. And then let's start to like break it down a little bit more with some things we were able to um, come up with uh, for the last 48 hours. So I test reaction was that was just a horrendous all around performance in all three facets of the game. Uh, we, we know about the offense. The, the offense has been the talk of the town for three weeks now. Another putrid first half by them. The defense, though, was even worse. For as much talk about how poor of a start the offense uh, had on Sunday, they at least got up to 25 points and near 340 yards of offense uh, at the end of the day, despite a poor start. They were clicking in the second half. The defense was miserable throughout. You're talking about a New England offense that was near the bottom of the league that was averaging only 12 points a game, and you let them score 29 points, including a game-winning touchdown drive, uh, 75 yards to, to win the game with Mac Jones as their quarterback. That's unacceptable. And even special teams, Tyler Bass has been costing this team back-to-back -back weeks, missing three out of four field goals the last two weeks. His straight-on uh, slice from 41 or whatever it was, that was a huge moment in this game uh, that really no one's even talking about. That's a kick that you need uh, one of the best kickers in the NFL to make. And then there was even a, a poor punt uh, coverage where they let New England uh, get into Buffalo territory. So from all three aspects uh, I thought the Bills uh, looked pretty poor but uh, obviously we, we want to go into some of this I don't know if you want to get started with the offense or the defense but uh, there's definitely a lot to talk about uh, regarding both sides of the ball right now yeah I mean I think let's 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 start at the I think the principle of the discussion right now is the offense so let's let's start there for a little bit then we'll get into some defense we'll get into some coaching and then definitely want to make time call up Kevin, you know, get his thoughts, but I definitely want to make time to, to, to get into this really important Buccaneers game though. So uh, first and foremost, let's, let's, you know, kind of dissect what we saw from the offense. I think you, you hit a couple of the, 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 the high level points really early on there where, you know, I thought one of my favorite questions is, as it pertains to the beginning of this game and the offense is John McDermott got asked yesterday. And this is something that if you follow me or you listen to my takes or whether it's Twitter or whether it's here or elsewhere, uh, where I say all the time, like, I'm not sure that I love putting the defense on the field to start with. Now we'll get into the defensive side of the discussion in a little bit here, but with some of the rankings and things that we'll get into, putting them on the field to start with, we'll have to make sure that that's the right decision going forward and to the point where I've harped on that even when the defense was good. And McDermott got asked that yesterday, which I was shocked by. I didn't think anybody cared. I didn't think that there was any real data. And I did some research into this, Mike, and this is one, something I want to talk about here in this segment, uh, is there's only been twice there's been a double dip. And that's the number one thing I've heard about. Seven games, two double dips. One produced zero points back-to-back. -back. 
the other produced seven and seven against the Raiders. So there was two opportunities for a double dip. So now we have to see if that, that opportunity there is strong enough to go down in football games. One of the biggest things I've heard as it pertains to the offensive side of the ball is slow starts. It's getting down in games. It's not playing till the third midway through the third or the fourth quarter. Uh, it's, 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 it's generally been the biggest talking point that's been up in my mind, or that's been asked to me. And I think the way to do that is flip the possessions, flip the possessions so that you get more. To, that's what a deferment is. You're taking the ball more and hopefully longer in the second half, because you perceive that hopefully you're getting a double dip if that's possible, but put that aside, you're hoping to get more possessions and better possessions in the second half. Maybe that's why you see their offense coming together better in the second half. There's more possessions. The defense is tired. They're utilizing maybe uh, a different style. They can they can adjust to the game plan and, and tempo. There's many reasons why you want those possessions in the back end uh, against a tired defense. So that's the philosophy. But on an offensive perspective, Mike, you had a rub route that was called on Latavius Murray to start the game. Uh, I thought it was borderline. Um, and these calls in every game, this isn't a Bills complaint, are affecting football games. And it is what it is. Just on the other side of the ball later in the game, Kendrick Bourne is blocking. Uh, uh, Gasecki is blocking downfield and, and takes three Bills defenders out of the play. Textbook offensive pass interference, not called. I don't mind that not getting called, but don't call Latavius Murray then. So that is my first argument. So that's four points off the board. You mentioned a really important thing that I wanted to address too. That's the missed field goals. At some point on a onesie twosie basis, eh, you get over it because you have so many possessions. But on a basis where you need your special teams to come through, I don't know. I think that that you 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 need your high end important re-signed extended kicker to keep you in games in terms of getting you the points that you need. There's seven points right off the bat in a very simplified version right there, Mike. So did you have any opinions on the first half offense? What is your opinion on that Latavius Murray call? I mean, you have an opportunity to hit digs deep, wide open, great scheme. it's, it's, It's literally everything you're looking for and just doesn't connect. But everything about it would tell you that that was a high end, high impact play. Yeah, so my thoughts about the offense in the first half, it, I actually think the the thing that kind of is interesting about the offense is I don't think that the offense is has been horrendous by any stretch of the imagination. I think what more so is happening is they're finding ways not to finish drives, and that is what we're starting to get aggravated with. Uh, this used to be an offense that was – Um, based around explosive plays where they were getting big chunks in the passing game where you would see them go on these three, four play, 70 yard drives, two minutes, 30 seconds, five plays, 65 yards, three minutes, 35 seconds. Now these drives are 10 to 12 plays, 65 yards, six and a half minutes. What is essentially happening for those that listen to me on spaces, um, you'll know where I'm going with this, but Essentially, NFL defenses have caught up to the offenses across the league. Explosive plays are at their lowest mark since 2009. So as a result, scoring is down dramatically across the NFL. In 2020, when the Bills had Dable and they had all their weapons, they were averaging 29.5 points a game. But scoring at that point in the NFL for a combined points per game number 
was around 50. Right now in the NFL this year, scoring points per game is 43 points per game. So that's an entire touchdown based on two teams. So there is currently 12 teams in the NFL averaging under 20 points per game. And there's 25 teams in the NFL currently averaging under 25 points a game. So 12 teams can't even average 20 at this point. And 25 are averaging less than what the Bills scored on Sunday. And the Chiefs are only averaging 25.4 points a game. So what's happening right now is when you take away explosive plays, if if you want to be aggressive, you're going to have more turnover-worthy plays. You're going you're to be forced to throw into double coverage. You're going to be forced to throw into a lot of difficult situations. And as we saw week one against the Jets, that's not always a good thing. So when you have a great offense and you normally have a great defense, what's the head coach's thought process as a result of that? Well, let's play a little bit more conservatively. Let's protect the ball. Let's run the ball more. Let's play for the chains, not go for these long bombs. And we're still a great defense. We're still a great team. We should be able to beat inferior competition. The issue now is I don't think they ever anticipated their offense struggling to put up points the way they are in the first halves of these games. And then doubling it down with the defense, having trouble stopping teams. So you kind of had to have a worst case scenario now of where your offense is afraid of taking chances, but your defense can't hold your opponents down, which makes the the mistakes that you do make have that much more of an impact. And I I think early in the year, a lot of people wanted to be like, well, this, this is all on Dorsey and Dorsey definitely does play a role on it. But I think what the, the tape on Sunday really shows is that you have a quarterback right now that is not making the right checks on the offensive line, who is not anticipating blitzing uh, properly, and he's not hitting his hot takes when they are sending pressure. And because they're not taking these chances uh, down the field, there's no way of really helping them out when they get behind the chain. So in the past, if the Bills had a second and 10, they could confidently throw it to the sticks and know that they could make a play. Teams are taking those things away from them. So essentially what the Bills are trying to do, they're trying to get into third and twos, third and threes, short, uh, easier to execute. When the Bills are third and seven or longer, they only convert 25% of the time. When it's third and four to third and six, they convert close to 60% of the time. And when it's third and three or less, they convert 75% of the time. The Bills still have the highest, the third highest percentage of converting first downs or touchdowns uh, per, per chain. So the, the metrics are still very positive about this Bills offense, but what we're starting to see, and I'll wrap this up soon, Kevin, what we're starting to see is what teams have done, what the Bills have done to their opponents offensively the last three, four years is what teams are now doing to the Bills. We've always said with, with Buffalo, the reason they can play a nickel defense is in, in, they dare teams to run against them because they don't believe that over the course of 60 minutes, teams are going to be able to sustain three, four, 10 to 12 plus play drives for 50, 60 yards and score 25 points. Teams are now doing that to the Bills where they're making the Bills go on these long drives and you need to be more consistent uh, in order to have success in that. And 
you can see this. This is what I was talking about earlier with the touchdown and first down numbers. The Bills still have great efficiency numbers, but they need to find a way to avoid some of these situationally horrible mistakes that are really plaguing the offense right now overall, especially in the first half of games. Yeah, situationally, you'll see here uh, on the screen, this is how often that your drive ends in a first down or a touchdown. And that's every drive, every new set of sticks, to be clear. So the Bills do it just as well as the Dolphins. They just have a few ticks more where they're going to kick a field goal. Just a tiny bit difference um, of the of their offenses. This isn't like an eye test thing. This isn't a, a, a deep dive DVOA. This is a simple, like how successful is every drive that the team has? So this is a really digestible chart that shows you that like the punt turnover rates that the Bills have are just with everybody else's. Like the 49ers are a little low, but theirs are starting to tick up after their performance yesterday. But the fact is Josh Allen is is Josh Allen because they don't punt and they still don't really punt um, even during some of their struggles. So the the basis of why you become a good football team is to convert first downs. First downs equals further down the field, equals more time of possession, equals points, right? So the more times you can do that, your EPA is better, obviously, because you're converting first downs. A five-yard pass on, on, on third and four is a very positive play, right? It's pretty obvious. But a five-yard pass on third and nine is not very positive. Your punting lowers uh, your analytics numbers. The Bills are very good at that, right? So the number, the number one question I get asked all the time is, you know, Kevin, why why doesn't this match what the Bills look like? Like, where what's the problem? So the variance here in this in these situations is a 60-minute football game, first of all, variance, right? So Mike and I have already talked about a couple of plays that make you that just change the course of a game. A rub route is four points. On that call alone is a four-point penalty. That alone would start to bring up the Bills overall box score points right? A missed field goal brings up the overall Bills box score points. Those are the results of these analytics that unfortunately the Bills have hit some anomalies. Now, you can go two ways with this and say, I'm over this. I want to see what happens. I think the team stinks. I think that those anomalies are too frequent. Then you can think that and we'll see if that ends up being correct. And then what will happen, guys, is that EPA and all these metrics that some people hate, it's come to my attention that some people really hate, um, that they will get lowered to match your eye test or the product on the field is going to be elevated to prove that some of these statistics are right. Now, I wanted to bring up this tendency because I get asked all the time about like shotgun and let's go empty or not ever go empty. I only want to be in single back the whole time. Like I've heard heard it all, but the data that breaks it down is the bills are still pretty efficient out of empty. They pass 100 percent of the time out of it, obviously, but they've only used it 55 times. Um, so that's essentially like one game's worth of playing empty. Like if you would have played empty the entire game, it, that's about the amount of snaps that they have. And they're number four in the league in it. Okay. Um, so they're very effective 0.27 as a positive ratio. The overall number out of gun is barely over zero. So the bills are really effective in, in empty. So will they go to that? Mike, do you see them changing their formation tendency uh, that he's been asked about this week. I do. I do think they're going to change their formations, uh, especially with Knox out of the fold. I think you're going to see a lot more 11 going forward. Probably not much. Right, let's 12. look at it. There you go. Uh, probably not much 12 in the upcoming weeks. And and, and the one thing I do want to point out, because I, I feel like we get a lot of um, throwback by uh, fans when we talk about EPA, DVOA, stuff like that, because there's a lot of 
frustration. Well, how are they still this high in offensive efficiency uh, charts and these analytics when they look so bad um, for three consecutive games? And, and what you'll lead, what will lead a lot of people to say is, well, they, they do it because they blow out the really bad teams and, and they can't do it against some other teams. They're not consistent. And, and there is a high variance, but I went back to the 2021 season. There was a lot of variance that year with uh, Brian Dable and, and the Bills offense that season where they were up and down. And uh, a lot of the numbers prove that. I think this is the most important thing that fans really need to, to understand. And this will probably make it a little bit easier to understand. EPA by season. In 2020, the Bills were 1.89. In 2021, it was 0. 0.140. 2022, 0.11. And now right now it's a 0.092. So that would basically say during those four years, the offense has regressed every single year. Now on the surface, you'd say, okay, that confirms what I was, uh, what I was seeing with my eyes. The offense is getting worse. Things are becoming more difficult. The issue at hand is during those 2020 and 21 seasons, when you're having historic offenses, even when you're having that 0.189, there's a bunch of other teams that are right near you with very similar EPA. So what, what it's important to look at is not compare yourself numbers one year to another year. It's like, say there's a season where everybody's averaging 25 points a game. Well, if you're averaging 35 points a game, that that's a really good offense. But then if there's another season where everybody's averaging 35 points a game and you're averaging 30, you're still averaging 30, but now you're a really bad offense because you're behind the curve. What's happening is that these defenses right now have caught up to the high volume passing attacks in the NFL. That's why you see the bills running it more because that is one of the ways to kind to kind of counteract it. You, you try to set up more manageable uh, third downs and second downs. So you can keep moving the chains. The bills have not found the answers on how to attack some of these defenses right now. And a lot of people who just watch the Bills would say, that's a problem. They suck. This is happening throughout the entire NFL. The entire NFL. We just saw the Miami Dolphins score 17 points against the Eagles. We saw the 49ers score 17 points in back-to-back -back weeks uh, against the Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. This is not an isolated Buffalo Bills problem. What we're starting to realize is that we are starting to exit the historic offensive era that we have just gone through. This is starting to turn. The defenses with the two high safeties know how to slow down uh, these, these pass-heavy attacks. The two things that, that lead to the most points in the NFL and this is this is proven stuff based on uh, metrics are explosive plays and turnovers so when you take away explosive plays and and you're not creating enough turnovers on defense you're going to have less scoring and, and one other thing too to, to kind of give you an easier way to keeping this in perspective passing touchdowns through six weeks this year is down 25 percent compared to what it was in 2018. If you look at the intercepts, touchdown interception ratios of some of the top quarterbacks in the league, 
It's not just Josh throwing interceptions and having mistakes. It's a lot of them at the current moment. And there are things that we will talk about uh, that can help this Bills offense uh, and, and improve it uh, going forward. And I know one of the things, Kevin, you and I both want to see them is open it up more. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. It is important to note, though, with that shoulder injury, that could also be playing a factor in the lack of running. There was a clip on Sunday that Josh slid after hitting his shoulder and had a huge grimace on his face after hitting the ground. So it is possible. It's not just... When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. It's easy to make your home holiday ready with help from Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of styles, including carpet, luxury vinyl, hardwood, laminate, and tile. Special financing is available with approved credit. Our experts will bring the store to your door with convenient free in-home shopping. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com. Make your guests feel right at home with gorgeous new floors from Right Rug Flooring. Right here, right now being conservative by nature, but they also probably don't want him getting hit at this current moment. Yeah. What is two personnel? Good question by spin. That's two tight ends on the field, uh, three receivers. So they've run some formations that would have Shakir Diggs, Davis and Knox and Kincaid. So that would be the formation. Could it be a QB sneak? I don't believe uh, that is the, you, you could technically do it out of that, but it's generally uh, not three. That's three receivers, two tight ends. However you want to, uh, push it out of the, of the uh, off the field. You see here the Bills are the one topic that why this was up, Mike. You were talking about personnel a little bit. Is eleven personnel? A lot of times people are like, I wanted to use eleven personnel. They do. They use it at fifty two point three percent of the time, uh, and they're pretty effective out of it. Uh, and you're going to see more of it. Their EPA ranked there is third. Uh, they're pretty good on a one game basis uh, running eleven. So we should see some eleven coming up without without Dawson Knox and his potential replacement in Quentin Morris uh, with the high ankle. I don't think you'll see a forced roll out of missed roll out of Reggie Gilliam, nor do I think you'll see, I, even though I like the potential of Joel Wilson, unless the bills make some form of tight end move. It's uh, I don't think it's long-term for Dawson Knox. We're thinking, you know, four to six weeks, four weeks. Don't know officially yet, but that's the original rumblings here of, of my knowledge. Um, so you're looking at, you're looking at this and you're saying, maybe we'll see a lot more Khalil Shakir. This is Khalil Shakir's time to shine. His snap count has gone way up. Um, he's getting around 35 to 40% of the snaps right now. He's utilizing him. Josh is trusting him more like he did at the end of the year. This is his time to shine and prove that 11 personnel uh, is the way to go here um, going forward. And you can still see that the Bills are fairly effective out of 12. They're effective throwing the ball out of 12, uh, which is very interesting, uh, as you can see on the screen. And they're effective, obviously, running out of 11 with those light boxes. So those are some things to consider as the Bills move forward. And there's still a lot to like from this offense, Mike. You know, there's going to be definitely some people, as, as I see, that definitely just never think um, that never think that the analytics will match the eye test and the eye test will match the analytics. Analytics help you find places on film to watch football games, guys. That's what it does. That's what it helps you with. It helps you formulate a game plan. It helps you formulate tendencies. And it helps confirm or deny biases that you may or may not have. So that is ultimately what they do. Do you sit there and hire 
uh, somebody to just give uh, Sean McDermott a piece of paper and that's the only thing he does. Well, there's some professional sports teams that are going to that, uh, believe it or not. But I do not believe in this case at all that Sean McDermott is how he's coaching. So these are just a snapshot of how the Bills have played to date. What we're trying to tell you here, at least I am, Mike can, Mike can speak in a sec, is that this is a good signs. These aren't, if I was looking at these and I swear to you, I was seeing 27, 28, 30th, uh, uh, 26, 21. We'd have a different conversation of I'm worried. I'm worried about the sustainability and I'm worried about the long-term under, under Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. We'd be having that conversation. People would probably be saying, Kevin, they're better than they look. I promise it would be the opposite. Like where your eye test is now going to probably tell you, nah, that's just how good that, uh, I think that they are at that point. So I think that those are the things to remember about the utilization of analytics. It confirms or it affects biases. And that's what affects people the most, where it's like, I hate these things because it disproves what I'm trying to say, Mike. Yeah, and talking about the analytics, we're going to have a conversation about how the Bills' defensive analytics have gone down drastically in the past couple of weeks. They are no longer a top 10 defense. So that kind of confirms a lot of what people uh, have been saying after the injuries and everything like that. So uh, it's a tough spot because analytics, a lot of people have been trained just to watch sports, enjoy it. Uh, you win, you're good, you lose, you're bad. But the metrics have told, uh, told us in the past that a team like uh, the Giants were lucky to make the playoffs last mm -hmm. year. And then you watch them this year and there's clearly a drop off. So the analytics a lot of times will help you project a team that's ready to rise versus a team that maybe got a little bit lucky in the past. We're not saying the Bills offense doesn't have issues. They clearly have issues right now. They are clearly off. Uh, we're just trying to say it's not like it's the end of the world. They averaged 19.66 points a game during this three-game awful stretch, which would still be more points per game than 10 teams in the NFL at the current moment. So even when the Bills are struggling offensively to move the ball, they still put up points and they still give themselves a chance to win the games. They've lost three games this year by a combined 15 points. That's five points a game. Now, it's not like they're getting killed in these games. They still have opportunities. What this basically says is if one or two plays goes another direction, goes your way, instead of going another team's way, you could win some of these games. So that's more so what we're trying to say. People that want to deny analytics, they're not realizing this is how NFL teams, this is how baseball teams, this is how basketball teams are all being run right now. It's being run by the smart people in the room. And I know it's not a popular take that sports have gone to the nerds. But the reason why sports have gone to the nerds is because they have a higher success rate at being able to put together successful organizations. And analytics has revolutionized baseball. Uh, they had to outlaw the shift because the analytics were so <laughs> advanced uh, in baseball with their numbers they, that they basically made the game boring because there's too much predictability on given plays. So some of that is happening to football uh, to a certain degree, obviously a little bit more nuance in football uh, in terms of uh, all the roster construction and stuff like that. But when we get further into how does this offense uh, move forward, how do they fix uh, some of these issues that are going on? I think the simple answer right now is with this defense taking the step backward that it has the last two weeks with the injuries to Milano, to trade, to Daquan Jones, and now at Oliver missing some time, they have to open it up. And they have to be they have to stop being afraid of Josh being aggressive. This team is going to make it 
or go or, or lose it based on Josh being Josh Allen. And the, they the always would have, Mike. These, yeah. That, with, that was always the plan. Yep. And the risk with these new um, modern advanced defenses is if you let Josh unleash, he might have a game where he'll throw for 350 and four touchdowns. But against some of these defenses, it used to only be the best ones, like the Jets and uh, Cincinnati and stuff like that. Even these average defenses can have three three turnover days now, three three interception days with these two high looks. So what they need to do now, now that Knox is out of the question for the foreseeable future, Kincaid needs to be the number two target guy. ESPN came out with their pass catching metrics today, and Kincaid actually rates as the best pass uh, catching option on the Bills right now. Tied, uh, actually uh, one spot ahead of Stephon Diggs, but the metrics show Kincaid is getting open with the best tight ends in football right now. He's right up there with Kittle. He's right up there with um, Travis Kelsey as far as getting open, according to their metrics. The Bills need to find a way to get the ball to him when he's open. Now, this is part of what we've been talking about on the show for the past six, seven weeks. A lot of people have been saying, are the Bills not scheming uh, these guys open or is Josh not throwing the ball to them? The metrics show Kincaid is getting open. Number two, it's time to feature Khalil Shakir. Going to 11 uh, personnel more going forward, Khalil Shakir better be part, a bigger part of this offense because he is showing he has the ability to bring something to this offense that neither Hardy nor Sherfield can. Sherfield is a wide receiver five, good blocking, like a good depth. Like I, I'm not going to kill the guy, but he's a depth piece. Hardy, gadget guy. I was hoping for more. It's clearly not going to be that case in Buffalo. But there is evidence that shows that Shakir is a very, very good blocking wide receiver, at least so far this season he has been. And he's the one wide receiver that's not named Diggs or Davis that actually has the potential to find some wiggle room and actually get open and find some space underneath. So they need to get uh, Shakir involved more. So number three, what are you going to have to do for this offense to, to take off? You need your quarterback to follow his orders from, from Dorsey. He needs to actually run the offense uh, the way it's supposed to be run. Because I, I think this is not going to be a popular take, Kevin. I, I know people are going to kill me for saying this, but Josh Allen was horrible uh, on Sunday. He, he was horrible. And it, the, the issue that happens is when you have a all-pro caliber quarterback – that is the reason why your team is as good, good as it is. A lot of fans have a tendency to avoid criticizing him because the quarterback is going to be here for the next 10 years. The coaches probably aren't. It's easier to get rid of a coach than it is your all-pro quarterback. It's easier to place blame on a coach than your franchise quarterback. But what were we talking about last year through the end of the year? We're saying all they're doing is going downfield, 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 downfield. We need to start – running the ball more. We need to start these shorter passes. We need to get other guys involved that way. Well, this year, what have they been doing? They've been doing all of that. They've been running the ball more. They've gone to 12 personnel. They've been doing short passes. And you want to know something? On quick passes on Sunday that were under two and a half seconds, Josh was 17 of 17 for 135 yards and two touchdowns. What does If you're passing the ball in under two and a half seconds, Kev, what is that? That's scheme because you're getting the ball out quickly. So you already know where you're going with the ball. 
So on schemed play design, passes, it's play design. Yeah, on schemed passes, Josh had 17 of 17 on these quick throws where offensive line and other things aren't getting screwed up on these plays. 17 of 17 for 135 yards and two touchdowns. When Josh had over three seconds to throw the ball, he was 10 of 24 for around 140 yards and an interception. The more time he had to throw on Sunday, the worst he did. When people look at the film, I said this earlier in the show, he was not checking into proper protections. There was multiple instances where the Patriots sent a man where it was six on five. They're sending six. We have five guys to, to block. In that instance, Josh is always going to have a hot man that is going to be open. The, the, you have hot routes specifically designed into your offense for your quarterback to dump off the ball given a blitz or given a guy attacking a certain area. Multiple instances, multiple instances throughout Sunday of Josh just not getting the ball out, not trusting what his eyes were seeing, leading the pressure. And then those these are the pressures where people are like, wow, damn, the offensive line looks really bad. They really suck. Well, when your quarterback isn't doing what he's told to do, that's not the offensive line. There, there's an instance where Spencer Brown was at right tackle. It's a two-on-one. He can't pick up two guys at once. One guy is going to be free. The quarterback, if he if he doesn't ch- check into something different protection-wise, he's doing it because he knows he has a hot man. And he can throw it to the hot guy. Josh, look, confused as hell, runs forward for a yard. You, you, you got to be better. Like the, the best quarterbacks in football – read defenses better than that. And, and that's why I've always said the thing I struggle with Josh Allen is he can do the things in that in football that no other quarterback can do. His elusiveness, his athleticism, his his running ability, his arm strength, his improvis- improvisational skills are unbelievable. But sometimes when he's improvising, it's because he didn't do what he was supposed to do or he left a pocket that he didn't need to leave. And because of that, Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. The world's got you feeling glazed over Sprinkle some love all around Just climb your way up out of that hole And you'll be the taste of the town Grab the one thing that everyone's loving And as it happens, they come by the dozen Everybody loves a donut Order a dozen from Dunkin' Guys that are running open at times aren't getting the ball. And we're like, what is the offensive coordinator doing? Well, you know what Ken Dorsey is thinking at those moments? He's like, what is my quarterback doing? What is he doing? And there was an instance where the Bills were goal to go. And they had a hot open. And it probably would have fallen a yard short of the first down. But it would have set up a third and goal, a third and one. Or a third and manageable. Uh, it was the play where Josh runs to the left and tries to throw it to Diggs. And Diggs is diving out of bounds to try to catch it that play 
Josh had a wide open guy for an easy completion. If he throws it, the Bills are in third and one, third and two, whatever it is, and they have a manageable third down. Now, this is important because I've told you guys what the Bills' conversion rates are on third down given the distance. So if your quarterback isn't taking what's given to him on second down, he just lessened their their chances of converting a third down by anywhere up to 40 to 50%. So it's the simple things that the Bills need to start figuring it out. It's Dorsey reiterating to Josh that he needs to check the offensive line into proper protections. It's Dorsey reiterating to Josh that when they do have that, that extra guy, get it to your heart route. It's Josh finding a way to be accurate on some of these passes. He had three three balls down the field on Sunday that were just hideous passes. Uh, he had Kincaid on the, the left for what would have been a 15, 20-yard gain, overthrew him. He had Diggs around 15, 20 yards downfield, overthrew him. And then obviously the bomb, much tougher completion, but Diggs had two steps. Josh was something of one of 10 for around 25 yards in an interception on passes 15 or more yards downfield. So it, when you take away his bread and butter and he's not going to follow all the things he's supposed to follow, that's a quarterback just not playing good football. I think on Sunday, Dorsey wasn't great, but Josh was far worse than Dorsey. Yeah, and a hot route is a route designed to beat a blitz. You go alert or your quarterback will say, we're good. He'll have some type of check to one of his receivers that will allow a short pass usually by the running back most of the time. Sometimes a slot receiver like Khalil Shakir or Cole Beasley will call a hot. Could be to your receiver. One generally isn't. Um, but you'll call a hot, and it'll be a designed play to beat the blitz, knowing that the blitz is coming in your face. You have a hot route to, to alter the play to be there for your quarterback instead of the route that may have been called in the huddle. So that's 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 a hot what a hot route is. Mike was referring to a play where uh, I believe I don't remember if was that James Cook or was it? Um, I don't Shakir. remember the, either. Either way, it was talk about it too. Or it's one or the other. And the point was he had nine yards, if not a touchdown, if not the first down, uh, where you know Josh, you know, decided to think about it too much uh, and missed the play. Now you saw that too on the deep route. He's got to hit that play. He got to hit that pass. That's a play where he took on pressure. He had that receiver open. Uh, early, uh, which was digs in this case, uh, that changes the course of the game. So, Mike, that was a great segment on offense. As always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Get out there and check out all of their work. You can see in, in my over my shoulder uh, some of my favorite pieces and some of the best artwork that I've ever seen. So www.sonsoferie.com. If you don't mind, uh, smash that like button. It means uh, a world to Please us. Like Please hit the like button. Help yeah. our analytics. So if you don't care about the Bills analytics, we're okay with that. But we need our analytics to help the algorithm, to help our numbers, to help cover one. So please, please, please hit that like button. Yeah, and uh, going so, you know, there is some stuff I want to talk about with the defense. We won't spell, spend an incredibly long time on that. And then we want to at least get some 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 thoughts and some opinions. And on this Bucks game, I know still some hot topics. And the trade trade deadline's coming up, so we're gonna have maybe a quick little little segment on that. We'll be here on the trade deadline day next week. Will anything happen then? Will we have new players to talk about? Will they do nothing? You know, there's definitely different uh, different um, 
opinions on that as we speak, Mike. But let's spend a few minutes on this segment talking about the defense. Then we'll bring up producer Kevin. We'll talk about the Bucks as well as recap. Put this game to rest now after the 48-hour rule. We'll uh, we'll toss this thing to the curb, but not to be forgotten for the next time that they play uh, to end the season. But the defense, Mike, one of the biggest. So people ask, what were some of the issues here in this game? You guys just talk really positively about a lot of things that happened and a couple of misses by the quarterback, even though he's the face of the franchise, he's the face of the team. Um, You know, why is it everyone else? Why is it his fault and not anyone else's? But we're going to hear we're here to tell you (laughs) that it's the defense's fault, too. You allowed a quarterback who hadn't had a game winning drive in 35 times since his rookie year complete that exact feat, not only to tie the game to take it to OT, which I thought was on the cards. I'll be honest. That's what I had thought. I did not anticipate him being able to. um, I thought the Bills were in such a good groove that I was actually okay in overtime in that game as compared to like the Jets game. Um, I did not anticipate him going down the entire field um, and and, and, uh, being able to orchestrate that type of drive. You saw a game where Dorian Williams got benched for Terrell Dodson again right after coming off with a pretty good performance against the Giants. So McDermott was asked about that. You saw a game where you were missing at Oliver pretty badly. Uh, Eli Anku is now signed to the team. Will he play? I don't think he can get it here in time, even though he had the whole preseason with the Bills. Uh, I would prefer him over Vickers. But if Ed plays, they're healthy on the D-line, like as healthy as they can be. I don't know that Eli Anku coming off the bench is going to provide that much more over Jordan Phillips uh, or Puna Ford at this point, Uh, but he could very well do so. But Mike, some of these metrics, 28th EPA uh, in this stretch, they're playing pretty poorly uh, all across the field. There's missed tackles. Um, There's they allowed Mac Jones to take whatever he wanted in the middle of field after they took away the boundary uh, you had some penalties on Johnson. It was almost like the league said to look at Johnson. It's almost like, you know, Benford, uh, you know, allowed a, you know, a big play as well. At one point, you, you know, you had the, the, the miss. They, they can't seem to control at all um, those crossing tight ends or these players coming off of boots. Uh, the, the flat to Ramondre Stevenson basically won him the game with the illegal man downfield, which did look like it shouldn't have been picked up. Um, it, it, so, and then another penalty in that drive help assist the whole thing when it looked like the bills may hold them to a field goal, Mike. So let's hear about your opinion of the defense after we, we, uh, kind of, kind of summed it up there. Yes. Yeah, so I thought this was one of the worst defensive performances we have seen from the Buffalo bills over the course of the past couple seasons. Uh, this was a horrendous, horrendous horrendous performance by the Bills defense. And you guys know I try to stay balanced and I don't like to have these crazy hot takes. I don't have the number for the EPA, but I know our our guy guys that cover one were sharing it. This was one of the worst EPA performance performances by our deep by the Bills defense in like the last three years. They were awful. The Patriots drive the entire game. So a few of the times they punted, it almost felt like more luck that they were going to punt on a on a fourth and short than anything else. <laughs> it was it was inexcusable. Like I understand the injuries, and I get the injuries are going to make a difference. In I probably discounted the injuries more than I should have. I, I thought even without. Milano, Trey, and Daquan, that this team had enough talent in their secondary, had enough talent on the edges 
to still be a top 10 to 15 unit. I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, Obviously, it hurts a little bit more when you don't have Ed Oliver and then your threat of an interior pass rush is completely uh, neutralized. But what we saw on uh, Sunday was just, it was was horrific. Uh, The Patriots came out, and I I respect why the Patriots attacked the Bills. They basically said, we're going to just pound the rock down your throat and try to stop us. They didn't make anything overly difficult. The Patriots had a very simple offensive strategy. Pound the rock up the middle. Then let's do quick short passes to the outside behind the the line of scrimmage. And then let's abuse the middle of the field in the passing game. The Bills let Mac Jones dissect them. And a lot of that is because they had no answers uh, for the Patriots run game. And I will say, like, a lot of people will say you should never let Mac Jones travel 75 yards down the field to score a game-winning touchdown with under two minutes. I wasn't even surprised the game ended that way, given how the Bills' defense played uh, from start to finish in that in that contest. Uh, it, it's it, it's concerning to me, Kevin, because if they played this way against the Patriots, this means that every game going forward has the possibility of being a very, very difficult challenge. And one thing that is uh, has been shown is that weeks one through four, the Bills were getting a 37%, I think, pressure rate, despite blitzing only 15% of the time. And then now in these last three weeks, the Bills are now blitzing over 30% of the time, I think is the number I saw. And the pressure rate is around the same. It's about three percentage points lower. But why that's concerning is now they need to send guys to get to the quarterback and they're vulnerable in in the back half of their defense. They're missing Milano, which is absolutely horrible for this defense. And they, they just, I don't know if they have the guys on their D line to fix it on the interior. Like, I don't think this gets better as long as Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle are your defensive tackles. So, the, the one hope is eventually Ed Oliver returns and maybe that brings some, some balance. But the way I always look at Ed Oliver is I don't really think of him by himself as a force. I feel like he's a force because he capitalizes off of Daquan Jones being next to him. And we saw when Ed was out there against the giants, he was abused that entire game in the power running game. So yeah. it, it's one thing to let five yards, six yards of carry when you know your offense can score 30 plus points a game and that you're going to probably play from ahead and you're you're like okay you know what take your yardage you're going to kill clock we're playing we're in front in this game who cares like your the odds of you playing back into it aren't high we'll stop you in the red zone it's another thing when your offense is struggling to score points and your defense doesn't have answers what that does now is it takes the ball out of your offense's hand they have less opportunities to score when they're struggling and you let these mediocre teams stick in games with you in which let's be real, the Patriots and, and the jets are not teams that should ever be uh, in these tight, close games down to the wire with the bills. Yeah. Mike, one thing I wanted to bring up there, I had it up earlier, explosive plays. The bills are lead beside the 70 point Denver Broncos defense are second in the league in explosive plays. That's not a good metric. That's something that Sean McDermott's been historically good at in his tenure. So that's not a a good sign. And to kind of sum all this up, the Bills are still one of the best teams in EPA since 2009. 
uh, even after losses by both teams mixed right there with the San Francisco 49ers uh, for still all things considered. This is a stat that obviously more accounts for, you know, week zero or one through four where they were really good. But rest assured to know that as the as that sample regressed to the mean a little bit, the bills are still very much. Reimagine this holiday season with more capability and more adventure in Kia's EverReady lineup. This winter, gift yourself what you really want during Kia's Season of Giving Back sales event. Kia is offering great deals on the capable Sorento and the spacious Sportage, and deals on even more vehicles like the all-electric EV6 and the fun-to-drive Forte. So visit your local Kia dealer and explore all your newfound possibilities by enjoying Kia's Season of Giving Back. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event ends one Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A really good team. And that is the hope that I have for people. I swear that EPA is a really good model. One of the best models out there is DVOA. Mike, I know you like DVOA. And even myself, I've had my issues with it at times in the past and others, but they really do such solid work and really break down the data and they still have the Bills as the fourth-ranked team in DVOA overall. The defense did dip a little bit, the offense staying the same at three, and the defense dropping to 13th. Um, in one-game performance, they had a, a pretty pretty sizable drop for a one-game sample size. Uh, so, Mike, there is still plenty to like. We're not going to be your doom and gloom. There's times you might catch us in a little bit angry of a mood uh, here on the Going Deep podcast but we're not going to be doom and gloom and there's tons of data that supports it. And I'm going to be consistent with it until that data dips. And I just see something that's showing me there's a concern and we'll talk about it at this, at that point, if that time comes, or we'll talk about how they regressed on the scoreboard to what some of this data says and what the film says. There's some, been some great film offensively. I hope you see it Thursday and I hope that that it results into points, but we're going to bring up producer Kevin now, Mike, um, to the show. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Uh, what is your overall point of what we said about the offense? I know you went a little long in the offense there about the offense and the defense as it pertains to data and it pertains to Thursday as we get into the Bucks and beyond. Yeah, so I, I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of listening post that Patriots game. And that was quite the game. I mean, <laughs> it requires a lot of thought. So I'm going to try to say this, which encompasses everything here. And I think you guys did a great job of spelling everything out. And there's obviously a lot more that we're going to try to get to over the next 45 minutes of the show. But I think what the Bills did going into this season is that they tried to make some adjustments to their philosophy, specifically with Sean McDermott. I think that he looked at this team and said, OK, I got the contract extension. I'm taking on defense. I'm going to get a better grip of this team here because we've been bounced out of the playoffs four years in a row now. So how can we get over that hump? Well, we're going to get two tight ends. We're going to be way more involved with 12 personnel. We're going to establish the running game. We're going to win up front with physicality. And a phrase that he uses a lot, we're going to play complementary football. 
And you know what? The first four weeks, excluding that Jets game, which was just an anomaly with the way Josh played, it worked out really, really well. That Dolphins game was like the definition of complementary football. All three phases working together. But then what happened? The Bills got decimated with injuries. Trey White, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones. Now we don't know what's going on with that Oliver. And then Von Miller is getting ramped up. He's still recovering from his ACL. That's been a murky situation. So five of your best defenders are now dealing with some sort of an injury. And I think that the Bills are still trying to stay with this newer philosophy of being a balanced team. But here's the issue. Number one, like I just said, the defense is compromised and the offense is compromised because even though they're healthy, they are not getting the correct play calling and they are not getting the execution. So, I mean, we've gone back and forth on this before, whether it's Ken Dorsey, whether it's the players, I've always said it's both. But either way, this is an offense that lacks creativity. It lacks execution. They are way too predictable. And there's just no rhythm to this offense. So I think that the Bills are at an interesting spot now because I think that this is a time where maybe they want to turn back to their older philosophy and say, you know what, it's time to be more aggressive. And this could be kind of telling with the Dawson Knox injury because they essentially have to go back to more 11 personnel. But I think the main thing here is that we need to let Josh be Josh. I think we need to see some of that cowboy ball, that backyard play style that makes Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Now, this is important because that doesn't mean that he has to run the ball 15 times a game and chuck it 50 yards down the field just to show off his arm talent. And it doesn't mean that we have to go away from establishing the run game with James Cook because I really liked what I saw. It also doesn't mean that the offensive line doesn't have to perform as well and that Ken Dorsey can get lazy with his play calls because he has Josh Allen, the human eraser, to make him look better. And it also doesn't mean that we need to go away from using Kincaid specifically on those hot routes. The point that I'm trying to make is I think it's time for the Bills to tone down the balance and increase the aggressiveness. Well said. Uh, it's a good summary of to date and the um, issues that may be arising. And we'll see, Kevin, real briefly, and we're going to get into this Tampa game here to kind of kind of in our final segment. But what do you think? happens do you think and me and mike were just talking about it for a good chunk of time but do you think that the bills regress to the points mean that you see an epa and other dvoa and other statistics or do you think those are the metrics that will regress to maybe more of the um eye test things that people think that they see that's a really good question because i think a lot of this rides on josh allen and how he responds. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw that press conference today where he pretty much admitted to getting that outside help, and he's going externally to try to figure out how to find himself and the comfort level that he wants to be at going into games and his emotional level. I mean, this is something that we've talked about, at least I don't know about on here, but I've seen on Twitter where people are like, where is this Josh Allen? You know, the one that was fired up with 13 seconds saying, let's effing go. And he just seems kind of dead on the sidelines. And now he's kind of talking about it a little bit, saying that he thinks that he needs to tone down his emotions, but at the same time, increase his play abilities. And he knows that he's a playmaker. And I think that obviously the Bills know. And I think it's just all about finding that balance. 
But I think this rides on Josh Allen because you guys talked about it with the defense. I mean, 28th ranked DVOA. We're not getting those guys back. Maybe Daquan Jones towards the end of the regular season. And then hopefully, maybe wishful thinking Matt Milano for a deep playoff run. But the point is, the defense is going to be compromised. So this rides on Josh Allen and how he responds. And assuming that he is healthy, I think you need to take the reins off and let him go. And, and I think they and I think they will do that. I, I will say this. It's not surprising to hear that Josh is reaching out to people to try to address this emotional state. Uh, obviously, the fact that he would puke before games would tell you that he gets all pumped up. And it's not a bad thing to be pumped up. But as a quarterback, it's a lot different than uh, a linebacker or a uh, a wide receiver or defensive lineman. You, you you need to have a level head at all moments. You need to be thinking intelligently. You can't always be thinking, I need that knockout punch. I need that huge play. You need to be calm, cool, and collected. And I think that's what Josh was saying is that when he is level, he's not making some of these mistakes of over-aggressiveness. But it, it is a delicate balance. And it, it does seem that like that something might be a little bit off at the current moment. And I think it's also important to um, acknowledge it's entirely possible that McDermott has put his hands on this offense uh, in some of their philosophies and why they've gone to certain things. Uh, Obviously McDermott is a a former defensive coordinator, but uh, as a defensive coordinator, he, he might be looking at the offense like early in the year and saying, we need to play a cleaner version of football. We need to play, uh, a grinded out style that will be more valuable to us in the playoffs. I always said the bills didn't make the move to 12 personnel to be more successful in the regular season. They made, they made the move to 12 personnel and to more running because that's the style that they think they need to have to be successful in the postseason when it is 10 degrees and 20 mile per hour winds and snow um, the games in the trenches. Uh, they got dominated in the trenches last year against Cincinnati. I still think if this team makes the playoffs, they're going to need to eventually go back to a more physical brand of football because we get all we get all excited about regular season results. We have to remember it's week seven. You don't win or lose a Super Bowl in week seven. You win or lose a Super Bowl based on how you're playing in, in January and February. And unfortunately, when you play in Buffalo, New York, you're not going to be able to play the same style of football in home playoff games in Buffalo as you would in September and October in this area. So uh, I think that's an important thing to, to point out. And when the Bills did have that 2021 playoff uh, success offensively, that was when they got their most balanced uh, version of themselves that entire season. So that, that that does tell you a little bit that even if they go away from it, hopefully it's not for the entire rest of the season because – Teams like the Jets, teams like the Bengals, they found ways to essentially shut down the Bills' 11 personnel last year. But I do think that is the move that will be needed uh, in order to get them back on track for the current moment. Thursday night football, 48 hours away from kickoff. There is a game to be played. We've had all of our kind of opinions now on um, the data, the, the what will happen with the eye tests, the metrics, all that is on record. And we'll see what happens. That's all we can do from here as we present everything and we analyze it as the season goes on, but there is a game in 48 hours. The bills will host Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker is limited today. Chris Godwin is limited. Vita Vea with two 
not participations in practice, huge loss, three and a half sacks. We'll see if he suits up. Could be a big upgrade to this game for the Bills on their side if he is unable to go. Matt Filer, their starting guard as well, has been out. Um, so that is, uh, I've I've heard that they're uh, they're not very happy about that. So um, you know, there's definitely some minor injury concerns in Kavion Merriweather, their safety um has uh he's out as well so they're definitely fairly thin uh defensively they are getting it done thanks to the lot to do with Vita Vea uh Devin White's been pretty good obviously uh, uh Levante David but there's definitely been some talk about uh Tyron uh Shianka as struggling at times they're trying to find their their boundary our outside linebacker as well um, they're fairly decent, but this offense is ranked 24th DVOA. It struggled. It's been even worse than the uh, New England Patriots offense, um, if you check the metrics. And also, uh, they can't run the ball, which does bode well for the Bills' 27th run. So put it all aside. The one part that I do believe does uh, work in the Bills' favor for a get-right game is they can't run the ball. So I think that it will play to the Bills' strength of their pass rush, what they're able to do with their two safeties who are playing. Jordan Poyer had a really great game. Uh, as well as Micah Hyde. So their safety play is good. It is what they didn't have last year. They have this year. Go figure, right? Um, they could have just used that maybe uh, that play last year, but they do have the safety play. They're getting great play from Terrell Bernard, um, you know, consistent play from Benford. Uh, Dane Jackson is who he is uh, at this stage of his career, whether you like him or you don't. Will you see Kyrie Elam at some point? I don't know. Maybe he goes up against the physical Mike Evans. We've yet to see them match Kyrie up with anybody, so probably not. Uh, but you also have the pass rush. Uh, does look like, based on Sean McDermott, that Vaughn should be okay. Um, at Oliver's back in the fold. So there is a lot to like about on the defensive side of the ball to at least uh, be productive. They were only able to scrape by against Atlanta, losing on a last-minute field goal to Atlanta. They struggle mightily on the offensive side of the ball, coming off of a loss on a short week with a few injuries. Mike, how are you feeling about this game? I just read off some of their high-level data. Um, you know, you still have Levante David played at a pretty high level. Um, you know, they get after the quarterback a little bit, mostly to with Vita Vea from the interior with their linebackers, um, which, you know, Shaquille Barrett's obviously there too. Antoine Winfield Jr., um, son of former Bills, Antoine Winfield. What is your opinion on this Tampa Bay team? Are they walking into a situation where the Bills are getting right here? Are they walking into a situation where they feel like they're going to get right against the team that the Patriots were able to? Which way are you going? Yeah, so I have my feelings, but I don't know if it's even worth sharing them because I've just been awful picking the Bills this year, and I've been awful on my reads with the Bills. I feel like most of the time I'm pretty close to to being accurate when I have these vibes are of will the Bills have a get – get back game will they find their way will they will they have a, a good stretch of contest and this year I, i've just been off the mark so uh take everything i say right now i guess with a grain of salt but when when you look at this matchup like you said the bucks are not running the ball well this year that would be how i would attack this bill's defense it, it would be running the ball and you look at the, the running game right now, I'm just pulling up the numbers. Rashad White has 266 yards. He's averaging 3.2 yards per carry. That's pretty ugly. That's pretty poor. So if there was a, a, a team that you might want to face this week, it would be a team with an inferior running game uh, like the Buccaneers. 
Baker Mayfield, he's a game manager at this point of his career. He's not a difference maker. He's he's okay. Like he can the Buccaneers, I guess what I'm saying is they're definitely capable of winning this game. They have a good enough defense. If their defense comes to play and the Bills offense continues to play like they have been playing the last three weeks, it's entirely possible the Bucs could win a 20 to 17 type game. 100%. But I'm going to uh, let my Bills bias get in the way. And I'm going to assume that uh, based on the numbers, based on the metrics, that the Bills will get some things corrected. I think not having Knox strangely forces the Bills' hand offensively to where they're going to have to go to more 11 personnel, have secure in the game more, throw it to Kincaid more. Um, and I and I think in a way that actually might bring the much-wanted changes we want to this offense that might lead to more success. And I don't know if the Bucs, even with this Bills depleted defense, are going to be able to, to keep up. I will say Chris Godwin and Mike Evans can still play. Uh, they're still capable of making big plays at any given moment. But the quarterback at Tampa, I think, limits them uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, Kevin, I'll present the same question to you. Um, are you thinking the same no running game, which is where, to Mike's point, where he feels the team's most vulnerable uh, of any of their units? They're coming into a situation on a short week, potentially either banged up or not playing their quarterback, you know, probably see Baker potentially not playing or banged up Chris Godwin, potentially not playing or banged up their maybe best player in Vita Vea. We'll see what he looks like. They're missing one of their safeties that they like. And also their first time this year that they'll be without their starting offensive line. They've had every kind of like the bills. They've had every snap together. Uh, They're going to have to plug and play a new guard in Aaron Stinney. Uh, They've every other snap this year, they have played together. Um, So that's on a short week coming into Buffalo. That's certainly not going to help the run game at the very least. Kevin, what are your opinions on what's going to happen here in terms of is this is this a vulnerable time that they that Tampa can get right, or is it going to be the situation to where you might catch one of those Bills fire games that you have uh, very 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 frequently under Josh Allen? I really don't know. I, I mean, it's so hard to predict anymore because okay. who would have thought that the Bills were going to beat the Giants 14 to nine. And it came down to the final play of the game. And who would have thought that they were going to lose to the Patriots? So one in five Patriots who were pretty much terrible in every single stat and metric that we're looking at here. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what to say. I will say I have Rashad white on my fantasy team. So mm-hmm. I think that that's an automatic start because I are feel you like spin? We're at- are you spin? Oh, four, eight, one. Are you commenting <laughs> on the show? Well, Part of the podcast? Did he say that too? Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Spin and I had the same idea, but I was looking at my roster today. I have Mike Evans in one league and Rashad White in the other. And I was like, you know what? I do have a solid pool of wide receivers on this team, but I might flex Rashad White because if Ed Oliver's out, I mean, the Bills got gashed. So this would be a get right game for Tampa where it's like, oh, you're not playing your best. Well, come to Buffalo and you can just run all over the bills. And I hate thinking like that because it wasn't like that prior to these injuries, but now we fall back into that trap and I'm just scared, especially after that stupid swing pass to Ramondre Stevenson that pretty much set the Patriots up to win the other day. I mean, that's what Rashad white excels at. He gets a lot of PPR points. So 
I, I really don't know. Like, I, I could see it both ways where it's like the Bills. You guys are, you guys are going to have to address something, though, Kevin. I want to ask you on the on the running point on Rashad White. 20 carries uh, by the Patriots. I would not say I liked when they ran the first 65 yards. Am I missing? The swing pass sucked. That has nothing to do with the run defense, though. Am I missing where they got gashed against the Buccaneers or against the Patriots? Early on. It's yeah. I mean, I would have to look at the stats, but I mean, I feel like there are a lot of times where it's just like, oh, here's a wide open hole. Had a long, long of ten, so didn't even have the long run in this one. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it it just felt like the Bills were just getting demolished, and then there's that clip that comes out of Jordan Phillips just getting abused, and it's just like, man, we we really missed Daquan. Well, that part's true. Yeah, I agree. Mike, what what what, would you have on that? So I'm I'm pulling up the the rush yards right now. Kevin, I hate when you you say things that are factually accurate, but yeah, Elliott was 11 of 31, Ramondre Stevenson 9 of 34, Mac Jones 3 of 11, Demario Douglas 1 of 20, so what is that, 65, 85, uh, 96 on 24 carries, so that's four four yards per carry, uh, 24 for 96, that's not great, Um, so I guess gas might be a little bit extreme, it's, it's more so that early in the game, uh, the Patriots used the run to open up the passing in the middle of the field. And it was more so the the fact that there was large holes. The, the, the Bills' interior D-line, they were getting taken advantage of. They were getting taken care of, and then it had a negative impact in um, the passing game as well. The, the Patriots, for the last basically all season, have had horrible pass protection, very little time for Mac Jones to – uh, throw the ball, and the receivers haven't been getting separation. So they've been forced to do uh, basically uh, relying on quick passes and uh, running the ball. And the Bills knew what the Patriots were going to do to attack them, and they still didn't really have any answers to slow them down over the course of the game. So while the Patriots lacked explosive plays in the run game, it, it was the fact that they were able to get, they were able to get the, the yards that they needed to, and it set up their passing game. Uh, Overall, I, I don't know if the Buccaneers are going to be able to to do that to the Bills. It, it's really a, the the big question if the Bucs try to run the ball is who wins out in a matchup between a depleted defensive interior defensive line versus an offensive line that hasn't been able to run block the entire season. Who wins that battle? Um, because if the Bucs can, can run it for four or five yards per carry, it's going to be a long day for the Bills defense and there will be a lot of issues. But if the Bucs continue to struggle to run, and the Bills force it to be a Baker Mayfield throwing the ball around to, to Godwin and Evans game, it, it could be a long day for them. So I think right now in Bills land, we're all kind of struggling with our confidence after what's happened the last three weeks. We know the metrics are still decent overall, but there's this fear that if the Bills lose to Tampa Bay with Cincinnati on the heels, and then the month of November featuring teams like uh, – Kansas City, Philadelphia, Dallas, then you got the Chargers in December um, in Miami again. There's this fear that if the Bills end up losing this game, that they really could end up putting themselves in a spot where they can miss the playoffs. Now, it's important to note the Bills still have solid odds for making the playoffs. And anyone saying, well, they're not going to make it now, they have to realize the seventh best and eighth best odds for making the playoffs right now in the AFC are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans. So anyone saying the Bills aren't going to make it, you're essentially saying 
that the Steelers with Kenny Pickett or the Texans with C.J. Stroud are going to make it. And I think that is far too drastic a reach at this point for anybody to say the Bills are going to miss it, even with uh, having a difficult schedule in front of them. Let me answer my own question. I think that the Bills, I'm going to believe be a believer in the Bills metrics to say, I can't sit here and say that these statistics matter and then not back it up with my own belief. So I think that they are going to progress to the mean um, and show you that these offensive DVO, you're not going to have an offensive pass interference every game. You're not going to have a Gabe Davis fumble. You're not going to have three out of four missed field goals. You're not going to have some untimely Dawson Knox drops on a, a really well done play call that had him and Gabe Davis open on. And he part of the reason that they decided to shut him down because he didn't make that. It was the final straw in my personal. That's a personal opinion that I don't think that I think that that played a role. And he didn't close out the game against the Giants on a sliding catch. And then he was unable to come up with a play that, yeah, sure, the defense was there. You got to secure that ball and go down to the ground with it as as per usual or stay up. Um, but I just he just was not aware of his surroundings and needed to secure that play. So you're not going to have all of those things situations in one game. And although I pushed back a little bit on the Patriots running, because I don't think they ran the ball particularly well, in my opinion. Actually, it was Mac Jones's short passing game that uh that hurt the Bills. And I don't think the Bills were prepared for that. They were definitely prepared to shut down Ramondre Stevenson. And that's the way that I thought, I think it made Dorian Williams think too much in the short passing game and why he got yanked. So ultimately, uh, Bill O'Brien countered with a short passing game because I think that he saw the Bills were at least able to be be proactive and positive for the most part against, especially in, in down and distances that were manageable for the Patriots. The Bills were able to secure good run defense uh, in the game, and they carved them up with, for some reason, the Bills are unable to, to guard the middle of the field against the Patriots. A uh, little bit different of a team here. They don't really have a middle-of-the-field merchant, in my opinion. Cade Otten is pretty decent. Uh, he's their third option, obviously, behind Godwin. Reimagine this holiday season with more capability and more adventure in Kia's EverReady lineup. This winter, gift yourself what you really want during Kia's Season of Giving Back sales event. Kia is offering great deals on the capable Sorento and the spacious Sportage, and deals on even more vehicles like the all-electric EV6 and the fun-to-drive Forte. So visit your local Kia dealer and explore all your newfound possibilities by enjoying Kia's Season of Giving Back. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event ends one Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Mike Evans, I don't really see that on this, right? That's really all they have. And then obviously you guys talked about Rashad White a good amount. They have Chase Edmonds coming back now. There's not a lot there on this offense. There is some talent there. That is some decent talent, but it reminds me a lot of that Las Vegas offense with two really talented receivers, a pretty decent um, uh, quarterback. The only difference is they both had pretty good offensive lines. The only difference is I do think that, Jimmy Garoppolo, when healthy, is a little bit better than Baker Mayfield. And Josh Jacobs, I definitely think, is better than Rashad White. So I do think that that Vegas offense is a little bit better. Obviously, Tampa Bay has the defense. Uh, but they that's not to go without saying that they have struggled at points in their back seven. Ryan Neal has been a disaster for them at the safety position. I haven't liked a lot, Jamal Dean. I haven't liked a lot out of their corner room. I do like Carlton Davis a good amount. We'll see if he's able to contain 
contain it all with um, with Stefan Diggs and where that ends up going. But for the most part, Ryan Neal has been a disaster. Um, you know, I, I don't really like what I've seen on film from Devin White. He's been he's been a pretty big liability in run defense. So we'll see if the Bills counter there with those blitzing outside linebackers. And uh, Tryon Shoyanka has been uh, a guy that's been talked about getting replaced. There's there's been there's been talks that they might go with a different direction there at the uh, at the edge defender route. I've followed some Tampa uh, some Tampa people there, but obviously they still have an, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. at the safety position. Shaquille Barrett, and I'm really invested in this Vita Vea. That is a big piece. Will he play limited snaps? Will he play full snaps or not at all, guys? That is a huge talking point for this game because he's that good. Um, we're going to continue this conversation. This show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Get out there, check out all their stuff. We're going to get into our Sons of Erie score predictions here in a moment. But, Kevin, uh, was there something about the Tampa Bay defense or offense that you wanted to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the Bills offense before we get into the score predictions here because okay. I have two points that I want to make here. I know I was just sounding kind of doom and gloom and I really don't know what to say anymore, but you know what? Sometimes the best defense is a really good offense. And you know what? Sometimes an angry Josh Allen is a scary Josh Allen. And I think that Josh Allen is very pissed off at how he's playing right now and how the team is playing. And for him to take these external methods to try to get himself right, I would be scared if I was the rest of the league right now. So if we can get Josh back to being Josh, look out to the rest of the NFL. And the other thing that I want to say is this is very, very interesting. So I was thinking the other night, wait a sec, didn't we have this same trajectory in 2021? So we lost to the Patriots by four points in the game that they should have won. 14 to 10, the Bills lost that hurricane game. And then they played Tampa Bay on a short week. They found their offense at halftime and that jump started their playoff run. The year that a lot of us, myself included, think that that was probably our best shot at the Super Bowl up to this point. Now, we lost to the Patriots by four points in the game that we should have won. We're playing Tampa Bay on a short week. I mean, is this a week that we find our offense? I'm really trying to buy into this and try to inject some confidence into myself and hopefully the rest of the fan base here. But, I mean, we've talked about that before. The Bills were 7-6. and six. And then they ripped off four regular season wins and played arguably two of the best games. Maybe I shouldn't say in NFL history. Actually, no, it was a perfect game. I'll say that. Two of the best games in NFL playoff history. And then 13 seconds happened. So I'm just trying to look at the positive side. I know I was just saying a couple of minutes ago that this game scares me because I really don't know what to think anymore. But there is that aspect to it as well. There, I like the I like the confidence there, and it's good good data research. Also, on terms of just a pure feeling, and I like those those statistics just as much as I like EPA. Um, and to your point too, I think what's interesting of this whole situation are the correlations to twenty twenty one in general. Three and five stretch from Brian Dables. Nine to six. I tweeted about this uh, earlier this week and and got a lot of traction. And I think it's a great point. I'm not sitting here saying any. A lot of people were saying, well. There was, there's this difference or that difference, very granular, but I think the, the bigger opinion still holds true uh, with the overall arc of, of that scenario of what you're able to do in a situation to where you didn't, you don't play your best on, on, on the field in terms of points, but there's definitely some talking points to say that why that might be better for the team. So 
I, I like the correlation to 20, uh, 2011 or 2021. I think that there's really good correlation uh, in general between that. But, hey, it's definitely a situation. I think the Bills can get things going and maybe right in time for what, uh, you know, what you perceived to your knowledge right against Tampa Bay on a short week. Uh, it is kind of scarily similar to uh, – the things that you are able to uh, break down once again, seven and six, like you just mentioned, three and five stretch. Uh, they went to uh, five and three after a nine and six loss. They can go to five and three with a win here uh, on Thursday. And a lot of people still say that that was a Super Bowl winning team. That is the thing I've heard the most uh, so far was that was the Super Bowl team. Well, data shows you that there could be some things in your favor, Mike. And can we also acknowledge the fact that this has happened to the Bills now every season since 2020, where they have had this middle of the season stretch where things just seem to go wrong, where they have these lapses. And every time we fall for it and we're always like, what's going on? Why do they look bad right now? And they always find a way to correct it during the, the later months of the season in November and December. What makes it odd this year is that their schedule appears to be much more difficult than what they've had in the later half of previous seasons. But uh, like you said, the 2021 season, they were seven and six. Uh, the 2020 season, they had back, uh, they had two losses uh, against the, the Chiefs and the Titans. Um, even even now, like I guess the, the difference would be the opponents were less uh, talented than some of the teams they lost. But even in uh, previous years, they, they've had bad losses. So, what I do find interesting, and I know that Football Power Index, ESPN's FBI, is a flawed a flawed metric. I know you don't love it, Kevin. I, I do think it has some purpose, uh, even though it is a little bit up and down. That metric has the Bills favored in every single one of their remaining games this season. Like, that is kind of wild. Uh, and like, there's some of them where like they give like the Miami game to end the season, they give Buffalo 50.3% chance of Miami at 49.3. So that, that's essentially a pickup, but it's really important to like, no doubt, like these, there's a lot of things that have confidence. ESPN's FPI gives the bills a 72% chance against Miami. It, it gives them an 82% chance of winning against, uh, against Tampa Bay this weekend, even later in the year. Gives them a 60% chance against the Eagles, a 52.5% chance against the Chiefs. So it's saying you're playing the best team in the NFL, the defending Super Bowl champs on the road, and you have a slightly better chance of winning than what the defending champs have. They have the Bills at a 62% chance against the Cowboys. They give the Bills uh, a 59% chance against the Chargers and an 82% chance back at home against New England. So the reason I bring this up to you is those numbers aren't just random probabilities. Those numbers factor in everything that's happened this year, every team playing other teams. And they say, we think on paper, the bills are still better than some of the best teams uh, in the NFL. Now, are the bills going to win all those games? No. Could they miss the playoffs? Yes. Uh, does, is it all fine and dandy? No. But I bring that up to basically reinforce the point that even when things are at their lowest of lows right now in Buffalo, where we're 
concerned about the direction of the offense. We're concerned about the injuries on defense. We're concerned about special teams letting us down. There's still underlying things to be very optimistic about the long-term possibilities uh, of this team. Now, none of that means it's going to play out this way. They could just as easily go eight and nine, nine and eight, as they could go uh, 13 and four, 12 and five. But as Kevin said, if we're going to be a, a metric-driven show, an analytic-driven show, uh, it's important to point out that there is a lot of things to be excited about potentially as long as they can make these slight adjustments to their offense and find a way to just survive on defense. That's my that's my word going forward about the Bills' defense. Survive. Find a way not to cost yourself games like they did against the Patriots. If they can find a way to avoid costing them games, I do believe eventually this offense will get back clicking to the right where they will score enough to win uh, games that they need to win. All right, it's time for predictions, but real quickly to cap off the Bucks and the Bills uh, home game predictions, Josh Allen 31 and 12 at home, 80 to 32 touchdown ratio. So just something to keep in mind as um, as Josh Allen's stats here in Buffalo. It's definitely uh, something that I think has some meaning how well he's played uh, in those situations. But let's get into score predictions now. Um, we're going to obviously do our, our standard procedure, keep it, keep it fairly short. Mike, then Kevin, then myself. Mike, what do you uh, – let's put it all together. So you know I'm big on Vegas, and I, I, I like the lines, and that's burned me multiple times recently. But mm-hmm. I do think this is a game where the Bills are going to come out victorious. The eight and a half is a little lofty for me right now, especially with the way things are looking on offense – and defensively, I'm going to go Bills 24-20. I think Tampa has a good enough defense to keep this close, but it's a short week. They might be without some some key players. Got to travel, not a normal practice week for them. I do think that benefits the Bills. Uh, I I also think the going to 11 personnel, maybe more of a a pass-based offense, down the field a little bit more with knocks out is going to end up being one of those unfortunate, maybe positive things for this Bills offense. You never want to lose a guy like Knox, but I think it's going to force them to change their philosophy. And I think long run, that's going to help them out and find more points on the scoreboard. Okay. Kevin, what do you got for us? Well, I'm going to stay on the positive side and go off of, the last comment that I made about the Bills offense and I'm going to say Buffalo 31 Tampa Bay 27 I don't think that this is a defense anymore that where we can expect them to just shut out these opponents and say oh this is going to be a a 40 burger get right game I think a lot of these games are going to be close and the Tampa Bay offense does I don't want to say it scares me but I think they have a lot of weapons and a lot of threats between Mike Evans Chris Godwin Rashad White, Baker, you know, we could talk about that too. Baker and Josh, the two quarterbacks from the 2018 draft class, conversation for a different day. But I think this is going to be back and forth, and I think Josh is going to get back to being himself, and he's going to win this game for the Bills, but I think it's going to be tight. So that's why I'm saying Bills 31-27. 31-27. All right, there you have it. Um, I think that um, – 
I think the bills get right. I think that this, my, I'm going to go with my metrics. I'm going to bank on believing in EPA, believing in uh, a couple of the other statistics and the fact where I think that they could have the biggest advantage. They're not very good at uh, the bills biggest weakness. This is not one of those games where uh, they're number one in the league and rushing And what in the world are they going to do here? This is definitely a, a situation where they're in trouble. I do think that in front of his home fans, he's going to be pumped up. Uh, they're going to dial up a really good game. Um, and I have the Bills winning this game. I think it's a it's it's definitely one of those performances that you'll start to maybe not see those pass interferences on offense, the Dawson Knox drop. Maybe you'll see some Khalil Shakir. Uh, maybe you're going to see a lot of people calling for him to keep the job. And then you're going to see what the Bills are able to do running the ball as well. And maybe that's maybe that's what what I take away from this game as well. I have the Bills winning this one 31 to 17 um, in a get right game with them scoring late to uh, make the score look a little bit better. And 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 I quite frankly, truly believe in that. That's not a homer take. That's how I see this game going. Final takeaways we got so far for you guys for today. Trade deadline. And we've seen the Bills make some final cap space. They needed some money to operate um, you know, you can't, you, you, you need to call up somebody. Are they going to, what are they going to do with Quentin Morris? What are they going to do with Dawson Knox? It looks like probably an IR stint four to six weeks. Will they use the buy in that scenario? We'll see, but that's the most likely time frame to see him. We got some good news, uh, on potentially Daquan Jones returning still. And then Matt Milano, there's definitely been some rumblings of, can he return at some point with getting very good news? I think, um, based on everything, that's the pieces of the puzzles from what we've heard. Very good news on Matt Milano potentially returning uh, this season late in the year. But what kind of boost would that be to get Dawson Knox, full strength Dawson Knox, not the Dawson Knox we've been seeing, um, uh, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano at some points from week 16 to the playoffs, uh, somewhere in there for all of them. Uh, that's a huge boost that you can't uh, account for. But trading scenarios, they just signed Eli Anku, so maybe they stay put at the defensive tackle position. Um Kevin, do you see them going after anybody at any specific specific position, or where do you stand? This is tough. Um, how much time do I have here, Kevin? Because I don't want to go too long with this. We'll take a few minutes for you. Go to a few minutes to Mike, and then a few to myself. So you know, give us give us what you, give us your best uh, your best three minutes. Okay, Chris Berman's fastest three minutes with Kevin Syracuse. Here we go. Um, yep. So I don't know if they can do much on defense because there is no replacing Matt Milano, as we've said multiple times before, and there's no replacing Daquan Jones. And like you said, is that Anku signing official or is that just based on the tweet yeah. that he put out? No, it's official. Okay, so maybe they're done at defensive tackle. I, I mean, I would think that he's at least in the market for a linebacker. Corner is another uh, popular position that they could be going after here. I think I'm still sticking on the offensive side of the ball here and saying, you know what? Sometimes the best offense is the best defense, and we're just going to have to simply outscore these opponents because, again, I mean, there is just no coming back from losing the caliber of players that we had. So I'm looking at some wide receivers. I think they're okay at tight end for now because I think they can survive with 11 personnel until Quentin Morris is healthy. And then hopefully, like you said, Knox will be back sooner rather than later. So I'm looking at wide receivers right now. Is DeAndre Hopkins feasible? I know he is a hot name, of course, right? And I think the contract is doable. I just don't know if Bean is going to pull the trigger, especially with Josh being at where he is mentally right now, Stephon Diggs, that whole aspect of trying to spread the ball out evenly. I'm going to throw a name out there that 
I tweeted this last night. We talked about it on Spaces a little bit. But I feel like this would be a very typical Bills move, and that is acquiring DJ Shark from the Carolina Panthers. Might not be that shiny new toy. Might not be that sexy pick. But I feel like DJ Shark would complement Diggs and Davis very well. He's only 27 years old. He has good size, 6'3", 200 pounds. And he's on a one-year, $5 million contract. His cap hit isn't even $2 million. And the Panthers are winless. So it's not like they're trying to make a run with DJ Chark. They have Adam Thielen still and uh, Jonathan Mingo, LaVisca Chenault. I mean, maybe that's another sneaky name. I saw someone say LaVisca Chenault earlier. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by DJ Chark because I feel like it's not the low end of the totem pole, but it's also not the DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like that could be that common middle ground that Bean tries to find. I mean, again, this is a team that has 10 draft picks. So you better do something. And I would be willing to give a day three pick for DJ Chark. Very interesting. Good wrap up, Mike. I know you were feeling pretty positive about it. And I don't think you should let just because they needed a little bit of operating money that they yeah. wouldn't use it used anyways. So most of, the time, most of the time, you know me, I'm, I'm negative about the possibility of solid uh, trades during the deadline. Obviously, small things happen. A guy for a pick or Naeem Hines right. for Zach Moss, whatever. Um I, I really was kind of going along the same lines of that for the most part. And then I saw the restructure today of, of Dawkins. And I thought maybe that does open up the possibility that they could bring in someone like a linebacker um, as a basically a stopgap uh, until you could potentially have Milano back or a one-year guy um, to basically help in, in coverage a little bit. I don't, I don't think the odds of getting a solid corner are that high just because I don't see them going away from Benford or Dane Jackson. Uh, with the way it stands right now, D-tackle, there's really not many good fits out there. Uh, I'm not against the idea of uh, bringing in uh, a wide out or a, a running back if necessary. I, I, I know people are talking about uh, Derrick Henry. I don't know if that's a realistic thing or not. I don't know how, how that even really dramatically helps the Bills offense with the way Latavius Murray and uh, James Cook have been contributing at this point. DeAndre Hopkins, that's an interesting one. Uh, if he truly is on the market, that's something I would explore but not give up Gabe Davis for. I more so want DeAndre Hopkins in addition to what we have. Uh, we had a show a year and a half ago that said never too many weapons. I want to add weapons to the arsenal. I don't want to do one-for-one -one swaps where you're bringing in somebody midseason and having him learn uh, what the Bills are doing offensively. So that's kind of where I stand. I, I still think it's possible. Obviously, John Warrow uh, kind of put a damper on my, my thoughts earlier, but – I don't think that completely uh, negates any possibility of a move. Maybe they had already planned to restructure uh, Dawkins to begin with, but there is a little room if they do want to do something. And my true final thought of the day is not Bills related. It is more Sabres related. They're currently winning 5-1 to one right now, and they've won twice other, one other time this year when we had this show. I feel like every time we do this show and I miss the game, they're playing great. And every time I tune into a game, they look like crap. I've been hating on so much on the Sabres this year. And then today, they have their best offensive performance of the year. So I'm happy, Kev, but I'm also really depressed because I feel like the next Sabres game I watch, they're going to lose 3-1 to one and I'm going to be angry again.
that's probably true. Um, to wrap up my thoughts on this real quickly, uh, I'm only going to take 60 seconds. Uh, you can catch me and I'll tweet throughout the deadline over the next week. Hopefully we have an active deadline. We'll be here for you right at the deadline uh, to talk about any moves that had happened. If any do happen uh, here on the deadline trail last year, there was two. So hopefully um, we'll bring you any deadline news. But uh, my opinion is, I think with the defensive tackle, I don't know that one could come in here. And the, that defensive tackle would have to be better than Puna for Jordan Phillips. Um, and I just don't necessarily, or I guess, or Tim Saddle, and I don't necessarily see it. I think they're going to ride with that Oliver and the and basically the three of them with an Eli Anku rotation if needed. Obviously, there's no need for a defensive end. I don't know how they can get a linebacker in here to learn McDermott's system. It's very possible they are looking for a high-end one. There was some reports they were calling for Dre Greenwood Law. Don't know uh, how substantial those are, but definitely an interesting note. I just don't see a DB. I think they're very positive with the Kyer situation if they need him. And then Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, um, even though all three of them have likelihood to go out with injury, but I don't necessarily see a corner move. And obviously safety has been healthy at this point. So I'm not sure what they can do on the defensive side of the ball um, without it being a high-end move. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, the O-line's fine. I don't necessarily know if they go out and get a tight end, even though they could to run some 12. Dawson Knox news is, is reassuring that it's not too long-term. But I think one place where they have a gaping hole, it's another receiver. I have not liked what I've seen from Sherfield. Hardy is a big, a big positional tell. He doesn't run block. He does have some wiggle. And Sherfield just really hasn't done anything for me. And I think people in the show likes either, either or. Um, and neither of them really, uh, really worked out for the team. And they both do things situationally, but nothing that you should really not make any moves for. Um, so for me, I make the DeAndre Hopkins move. Tennessee selling. It's a million-dollar salary, so that lines up. You have a team option on him if you think he plays well. Maybe you have a conversation with him and say, hey, if you play well, I'll pick that up. My biggest uh, against Hopkins would be he probably wants to ask a team if they're thinking about picking that up. He signed a two for 26, probably with the anticipation that someone would pick that up. He didn't just sign that for fun. Um, so maybe some type of gentleman's agreement, how well they play. Maybe they can exercise that. Maybe not. It's not guaranteed. So that's my opinion. $1 million to bring in DeAndre Hopkins to this roster. And the fact that he can play all over the field and what he's able to do to take pressure off of this team and to add another weapon who's conceivably, they're not going to play Reggie Gilliam all the time. They're conceivably going to play a lot of 11 personnel uh, for the next couple of weeks going forward. So I do think that there is a position for him. You don't need it. You can just put uh, Dallas and Knox on IR. You can cut AJ Klein. You can put Baylon Spector back on IR. There are positional... They, so they have a um, an extra linebacker. They can do something with that roster spot with only five receivers on the roster. That's my move. I bring in DeAndre Hopkins. He wanted to play here. He wanted to play with this roster, and uh, he liked what he saw you know, from this team. So I think that the time is now to bring him in with Josh Allen and see what he can do at a $1 million salary. That's basically trading a draft pick away to not pay him anything. Um, the kind of salary he was looking for. And I do think that if that was an option earlier this year, that's what Brandon Bean was looking for by all accounts when Arizona had him. They wanted the team to eat the money. I think that's what makes this uh, makes this very realistic if the Titans get the compensation back that they're looking for, which tells me they're trading their all-pro and all-star safety uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, which makes me believe that that is in the cards. But guys, this was an action-packed, uh, show today we had a lot of offensive metrics a lot of defensive stuff talked a little trade deadline but follow us all and we'll be bringing you more updates more news we'll cut we'll chop up some videos some of the best moments as well as uh, maybe some trade deadline thoughts uh going forward so i'm really looking forward to this next week hopefully we have a player to talk about 
off of a, of a big lag of a Bills victory and a lot to look forward to with that prime time Sunday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals. This could really shape up well, guys, uh, for a really great addition next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Let's hope that we have uh, all of that put together. But from the Going Deep podcast, Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt, Kevin Syracuse, we are looking forward to bringing it back next week and hopefully with a lot of good updates right here Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Brought to you by Sons of Erie. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.